Welcome to It's All Mental, a podcast from Every Turn Mental Health. Mental isn't a bad word. There's no health without mental health. We're here to talk about every high and low. No limits, just good conversations. Hello, everybody. I'm joined today by Nancy Kelly from Stonewall, who's joined me to talk about all things LGBTQ plus this Pride Month and particularly talking about mental health and the impact of mental health on the LGBTQ plus population and community. So I'll hand over to Nancy first to introduce herself and a huge thank you, Nancy, for joining us. Hi there, thank you for having me. Um, uh, my name's Nancy, my pronouns are she, her. I am the chief exec of Stonewall and I'm really passionate about mental health, specifically as it kind of applies to our communities. So very excited to be here. Thank you, Nancy. So Stonewall, Pride, your your organisation has essentially got its name from this. So what what tell me all about Stonewall and what you do and, and why and, and how it links to Pride and the importance of that. So Stonewall's Europe's largest LGBTQ plus human rights organisation. And um, we're in our mid-30s. I like to think that we're a kind of an attractive mid-30s now, but we in the UK, we do a lot of work to campaign for LGBTQ plus rights, and we also do these big change programmes. So we um, work on NHS Rainbow Badge, which people will have been familiar with that are listening today. We work on our Diversity Champions programme, which is about workplace inclusion. We work on um, inclusion in sport through our Rainbow Laces campaign. But then we also work around the world in partnership with other LGBTQ plus human rights defenders. So we work now in about 15 different countries on supporting hate crime reporting in countries that are really, really hostile places to be LGBTQ plus. We've got a big programme of work supporting LGBTQ plus Afghan people. So we're a big human rights organisation. And Pride, I mean, sometimes people say, why does Pride matter? Why is Pride important? So so Pride is, is it's always a party. It's always a protest. It's both of these things. And it is about our communities being visible and being proud of who we are and refusing to be kind of pushed into the shadows. And it's easy, I think, in a place like the UK to think everything's sorted, but it definitely isn't. And our mental health is one one indicator that tells us that's the case. So pride is about saying that we matter and that we deserve to be seen and valued just as we are. What a great positive message. And that links quite well in then to your so Stonewall's sort of campaign and, and what you're doing Pride around getting the UK back on track for LGBTQ plus equality. I think that's such a strong message. What what what's what's that all about? Why why is that so important this year? Well, so for years and years and years, UK the UK was a global leader on LGBTQ plus rights. We were one of the best places in the world when it come, came to the human rights of LGBTQ plus people. And in recent years, we've been we've been falling behind. We're actually ranked seventeenth in Europe now, which is is not great. And we've been falling behind because we've not been improving. So we've not been improving the protection of trans people's rights. We've not been improving intersex people's rights. And we've not been doing some basic things like five years after the government promised to ban conversion practices. So these are practices that try and change or suppress our sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, we still don't have a, a legal ban on, on those really abusive practices. So 
the back on track campaign is around saying whoever the next government is, they need to get us back on track. The UK should be leading the world again in terms of LGBT rights and making sure that our community can thrive. What's this is a really might be a really difficult question this, but what's changed, do you think? Because as a as a gay man growing up for the last 38 years, you know, I've, I've seen different changes and, and nowhere near as much as people who've lived a lot longer than, than I. But the last few years seems to have just been a massive shift on things and I, I don't understand why. Gosh, it's a complicated question, but I'll try and I'll try and give a bit of an answer. So some of it is just about politics is the first thing to say. So the UK public is very progressive and inclusive by international standards. Ordinary people in, in kind of high streets and buses and, you know, parks are pretty welcoming of LGBTQ plus people. What we've seen is LGBTQ plus rights and specifically trans people's rights in the UK start to get kind of consistently used as a political football and huge amount, very disproportionate amount of um, press coverage around specifically trans people. And it's very similar to what happened in the late 80s and early 90s, where um, at the height of the kind of HIV crisis, when our press became kind of obsessively homophobic, there were these articles every day. I mean, I can I can still remember that. Um, so that's what's changed. We've got this kind of political press bubble that is really using LGBTQ plus rights as a as a bit of a political football. But in our day to day lives, most people are welcoming. Most people want to live and let live. And that that hopefully spells quite a bit of hope, because once you take the foot off the rhetoric pedal, people resume business as usual, which is acceptance. Absolutely. And what we know from all of the kind of research that exists is that um, when people know a, a lesbian, gay, bi or trans person, they feel more positively about LGBTQ plus people. Right. And we can see from our census data that with each generation, more of us feel comfortable being who we are openly, coming out as our true selves. So in terms of acceptance, the public is really only going to go one way. They're going to meet us and like us, um, or at least think we're okay. Hopefully. And that, <laughs> hopefully, I aim for like, but you know, I'll settle for okay. We'll settle for okay, that's fine. We'll settle for okay, and um, and that kind of that just changes the day-to-day -day lived experience of LGBTQ plus people dramatically. And the kind of purpose of our Back on Track campaign is really just to get politicians to understand they need to catch up. They are trying to sell yesterday's message to a public that that doesn't want it, to a public that wants to be kind of an inclusive, welcoming, forward-looking nation. Or, 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 or pandering to a small population of people and just not are not the people who are going to be driving this country forward in the, with That's the positivity right. that we want. That's right. Yeah. So with, with, you know, taking the sort of, culture wars and all the, the, the rhetoric that's surrounding our community at the moment to one side. What are the hot topics are we seeing in your world? So, I mean, there are some topics that never go away and they never go away because they're not properly addressed. And uh, actually, mental health is a great example of that. So LGBTQ plus people are twice as likely to have mental health problems that kind of rise to a diagnostic level that, that, are, that are kind of significant enough that if we went to a doctor and would be assessed, we'd end up with a diagnosis. And that is from children 
all the way through to elders. And um, no government has ever paid enough attention or invested enough in that. It is it is a, a sort of serious issue um, that just causes great distress for us throughout our life uh, throughout our life course. Issues that are changing that are really kind of present right now. So the, we have got a very serious problem with hate crime, and that is connected actually to mental health. So hate crimes against LGBTQ plus people have been rising very rapidly year on year for about five years now. Um, and when I say very rapidly, I mean the last year-to-year -year rise, hate crimes that were based on sexual orientation rose by over 40%, and hate crimes that were based on gender identity, hate crimes against trans people, rose by over 50%. So we are talking very, very rapid rise in, in kind of very serious crimes, and that's connected to all of this hateful rhetoric that we see. So the issues are persistent, so bullying, mental health, kind of inclusion in the workplace, inclusion in sports. There are issues that are kind of newer, so rising hate crime, much more extreme levels of transphobia. And then there are things that are new because then new communities becoming more visible. So I think there's increasingly really welcome conversation about asexual communities and their experiences and their needs or intersex communities and their experiences and their needs. There are kind of new parts of our community becoming visible and and, and um, a really welcome conversation about, about what life is like for those communities. And that's quite topical actually because I, I put out a, across the organisation, I put out a quick brief form to say I'm we're doing these chats what what people like to see coming through the conversations and actually there was an awful lot of people came forward and it was an anonymous form they could put forward questions there was a lot of people asking about asexuality yeah and about, and, and it seems to be people are talking more openly about being asexual and about what that means to them as an individual in their lives yeah, and I think it's amazing. So I know a lot of people who have come out in their 40s and 50s as asexual or as demisexual um, or aromantic. So somebody that doesn't necessarily feel romantic attachment. Yeah, I was going to put to in people. there, just, just for people who are listening who are not familiar with some of these terms. What does all of this mean? What does all this mean? What does all of this mean? What, what are all these words? So just if just briefly what this, you know, demisexual, asexual uh, yeah. romantic what, what sum them up quickly if you wouldn't mind so so an asexual person just at a very basic level is someone that doesn't necessarily feel sexually attracted towards other people so you can be um you can be a gay man who is asexual you can be romantically and and emotionally attracted to other men but not have that sort of strong motivator that is around sex and then you get um, some people are aromantic, which is almost the opposite. So you can feel sexually attracted to somebody, but you don't have that sort of emotional romantic feeling. And then there's lots of different terms that are in that sort of asexual and aromantic space and demisexual is an example. But they're really just people trying to find ways of saying, I, I feel like I'm a bit asexual, yeah. but not 100%. That's not my identity. And I think what I really like about this is, I mean, on one level, these are all just describing words. I'm, I'm, I'm a lesbian. It's just a describing word. It's just a way of me telling you something important to me, right? When we have new concepts or concepts that get more visible, like asexuality, what's exciting to me about that is it allows more people to share, to understand themselves and then to share that understanding in a way that's very, very positive.
And it, that in itself helps mental health, doesn't it? Because these are people who think in a and living in a heteronormative yep. cisgendered world who who actually when people think I'm a bit different, you get yeah. that all in your mind, don't you? You get that kind of discord thinking, why am I different? What's this? What's this? But actually having a language to describe it and having a common understanding really helps. It does because it's part of making you feel like you've got a place and that you can and you can speak about your experiences and be heard. And I think it's it's kind of a common misconception that asexual people don't experience discrimination and, and, and exclusion, but they do. And I'll give you maybe a couple of examples of that that are at two extremes. I was talking earlier about conversion practices, sometimes called conversion therapies. They're obviously not therapy. They're a form of abuse. Yeah, therapies at the end of conversion always makes me cringe. Just me. Yeah, no, me too. But it's it's kind of the it used it's, it's what they used to be caused. Yeah. yeah. Um. But but they very commonly are used to target asexual people to force them into sexual relationships mm-hmm. to to make them um, more acceptable to to the rest of the community. So they're at high risk of these these forms of abuse. On the other end of the spectrum, in that sort of day-to-day feeling excluded, feeling not seen, if you imagine kind of going into a workplace and all of the chat about who people are dating or who's hot on TV or all of that kind of stuff, if you're an ace person, if you're asexual, that can that can feel like a lot of social interaction that pressures you or leaves you out. So these kind of identities describe really important distinctive experiences that we, you know, would all do well to understand a bit better, I guess. I'm going to pivot back onto mental health, but I want to mm-hmm. I want to ask you about your mental health. Yes. Yeah, so, of course. You know, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you know, I follow you on socials and you get a lot of flack sometimes. <laughs> because there's a lot of pylons, isn't there? Because yeah, you know, there is, yeah. people love a pylon these days, and it and it's and it's a bit crap, isn't it? Sometimes, and people love a pylon and love to jump on, particularly on, you know, trans issues and the things that the great work that Stonewall are doing. But they come after you, particularly as an individual. What do you do to maintain good mental health in spite of all of that? If at all, by the way, I'm just assuming there. Sorry, but but what do you do to keep yourself going? keep yourself going okay so I guess if, like a few I would say a few things firstly like sometimes it's hard and sometimes it hurts and sometimes my mental health isn't good and that's really important to say because I think that we we want to project like an image of always being fine and always coping just fine um but for most of us that's not true or not true 100% of the time and that's definitely um that's definitely accurate to say about me sometimes it hurts and sometimes I'm tired and sometimes I feel overwhelmed and those sorts of things um and I think yeah and because I'm human I think there's a few things that matter a lot to me one is I practice like quite a high degree of sort of social media hygiene so I have a lot of my accounts locked down so you can't reply to me and that's because what happens is people just like abuse you more and sort of show off to them each other. So, so I try and kind of limit how much I'm exposed to, um, and be careful about how much of it I read. But the other things are sort of much more basic things. So, um, I am really privileged to have children, and really prioritising my time with my partner and my children, and kind of staying grounded in my life my life as a human 
really rebalances my kind of mental health and my well-being and having people that I can talk to when I'm feeling overwhelmed or it feels too hard is hugely important and also I like many people I'm someone that kind of being outside in fact we were talking about your farm of which I am very jealous being outside in nature and in the sunshine makes a massive difference to me so we go out we walk the dogs if I'm having a really bad day if I've had a really bad week my wife, Jen, will sometimes literally pack me in the car and drive me to the nearest seaside because the sea kind of, I don't know, speaks to my soul somehow. And it she just, just she just drop you off and drive she, off. She, yeah, no, she leaves me. She leaves it. No, she doesn't. She get, stays with the kids and we get ice creams and stuff. But like it just resets me kind of being being by the sea or being out in nature. So. So, yeah, kind of all of that very human stuff. You know, sometimes people on the internet, when when they see other people kind of saying really hateful things, will say, touch grass, go outside and touch grass. And ironically, I think one of the things that keeps me mostly having good mental health is that I regularly go outside and touch grass. Yeah. And you know mm-hmm. what? There's, there's a lot to be said for just doing the basic stuff. You know, there's mm-hmm. the, do all these vast ways of really cool stuff that people do for mental health which is fantastic but sometimes just getting your hands dirty doing some gardening or going yep. out and bare, barefoot on grass you know it sounds barefoot really on grass. bright doesn't it but actually it's just it just does no it does, it does. and and I think in the moment I am more so like I have like a history around anxiety like it as a person and I'm also a great believer in breathing so nothing fancy, four breaths in, four four beats in, hold it and breathe out slowly. Like in the moment, I find like kind of slowing down my breathing is like massively, massively supportive. So lastly, I always ask this question when I'm talking to people because I like to end on hope. And I think mm-hmm. it's really easy in the, in the work that we do not to lose hope sometimes. And, and it's 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 super important we cling on to that. So what's your message of hope for the LGBTQ plus community or anyone listening who might be struggling with their mental health, their identity? What's the what's the hope message? Yeah, I mean, specifically for LGBTQ plus people, it is that that we will get there. We're not going back in the closet. None of us are. Right. So the rest of the world is just going to have to get used to it. And there are going to be times when you don't feel up to the fight, but but Others of us will be out there fighting and then there'll be your time when you have enough energy and you can have that hard conversation and you can be out there fighting as well. And I think just for 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 the broader community, you know, we talk about mental health as if it's something some people have and some people don't have. And that's not real. Everybody feels stronger and more capable at some times. Everybody feels more overwhelmed at other times. And that's okay. Like you're not alone if you're struggling. You're never alone. All around you are people that have struggled or that are struggling. All around you are people that are going to want to share that experience with you and support you. Fantastic. Nancy, this has been a tremendously insightful conversation and I really appreciate it because lots there for our listeners to to digest, I think, with some really positive messages. So just want to say a huge thank you for, for talking to me today. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Thank you, Nancy.